Welcome to Second Serving, a new podcast housed at Second Presbyterian Church in downtown Richmond, Virginia. I'm your host, Kelly Connolly. Second Serving is a series that invites both local and global organizations, faith leaders, community members, and more to tell their stories. Join me as I listen, grow, learn, and unpack what loving our neighbor truly looks like. Today we welcome William Billy Porch from Richmond's very own Axe. Axe is a nonprofit organization in Richmond, Virginia that provides hope and assistance to people facing just that situation. Axe serves people with limited financial resources who have hit a financial bump in the road, perhaps caused by an illness or the loss of a job that threatens their ability to live sustainable, self-sufficient, and dignified lives. As a channel for the compassion and generosity of congregations, individuals, businesses, and foundations in the greater Richmond area, Axe offers compassionate, thoughtful, thorough, and professional support to keep people, our neighbors, in their own homes and to keep families intact. Act's primary goal is to ultimately close the doors on homelessness. Listen to hear how you might play a role in Act's mission. Welcome, Billy Porch. We're so glad to have you here today. Thanks, Kelly. What a great introduction. I'm happy to be here with you today. Oh, anytime. Yeah, I'm available for introductions um, always. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Well, um, you know, let's start with the basics. First of all, tell us what... Uh, ACT stands for, um, literally the letters, and uh, what your role is there and kind of the mission of ACTS. Sure. So um, ACTS is an acronym for Area Congregations Together in Service. Uh, We began serving uh, our neighbors here in Richmond in 2006. Um, And we basically, um, like you said, Kelly, serve those who have, have, have fallen um, into a financial crisis, most likely not of their own accord, mm-hmm. uh, but because of whatever reason it might be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we live in a city where there's a 25 to 26% poverty rate. Um, so, you know, trying to, to overcome that is one thing. We live um, in, a, in a place where, you know, there isn't a living wage. And so in order to pay the rents, the median rent in Richmond is around eight to $900. So if you're only making minimum wage, you would basically have to work 90 hours a week to even be able to pay your rent. Um, but, you know, we are there for those that would fall between the gaps. And we, you know, I help them pay their rent, their mortgage, their utilities, anything that may lead to them becoming homeless. Mm -hmm. So we're helping those who are stably housed, whatever that term may mean for them. Um, It may not mean the same for them as it does for you and me, but whatever they call, whatever they deem stably housed, we want to keep them in that situation. That's great. I like that acts can nurture the family in their position that they're already in. There doesn't have to be any uprooting because that can be a really tough transition on people. 
Yes, absolutely. We're, you know, we're trying to keep those families intact mm -hmm. um, with their neighbors and their support system as close as they can be. Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, with COVID, we've run into schools closing. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, you know, I really can't say keep them in, this, in their same schools. But, you know, at least keep the kids around their same familiar areas and their same familiar friends yeah. um, along with their parents. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so we know that you are the executive director of Axe, but you can't do this job alone. So talk to me a little bit about what your staff makeup is. I mean, this is a nonprofit, um, and the nonprofits in our area tend to be a little bit small, but your staff has grown uh, a lot in the last few years is what I, uh, remember. Yeah, Kelly. So, um, I, I started out as the first executive director of acts. Um, I actually was five years coming in. It was board driven up until that point. Wow. Um, so I came in in 2011. So almost 10 years coming up in June. Wow. Um, when I got there, there was a full-time program manager and that was it. So, um, I learned a lot from her in my, in my first couple of years. Um, and we started growing and we added on a part-time caseworker and then we added on another part-time caseworker, and then we added on a development person, mm. and um, then we hit COVID. And uh, once we hit COVID, uh, we were asked and accepted the challenge of um, distributing funds from the CARES Act, so the federal funds that stream down to the state, the city, and Chesterfield County, we helped to distribute. Um, and so far, we've done about $16 million of that in distribution. Um, so just for your listeners' um, knowledge, before that, we were about a $1 million um, organization. So we have grown into the $16 million plus wow. organization during COVID. And because of that, we also gained um, many new employees. We have uh, four... Um, four new full-time uh, caseworkers that work remotely, and we have two more full-time caseworkers that work in the office, and we also have a program manager. And I, I Kelly, I, I failed to mention we also um, we also have another program that we help run. We mm -hmm. run the we help run the homeless crisis line mm -hmm. um, that is run in a collaboration with four other organizations. We work with Homeward, Home Again, Senior Connections, um, Housing Families First. And we have two full-time employees that are staffed running that hotline. Oh, wow. That's great. That's great. And you're, I'm sure that helps to strengthen your relationships in the Richmond area as well, which is so important. Yeah, it, it really does. That collaboration between the other organizations, it just brings us all closer together. Great, great. So um, you've spoken a little bit to this already, but I want to give you some time to speak to this on a larger level. But certainly the homeless or those experiencing homelessness or those who probably didn't see themselves experiencing homelessness or home insecurity and now have due to the pandemic, how is this community that you serve, which is quite large, I mean, 25 to 26% poverty rate in a city the size of Richmond is pretty astonishing. And so the quarter of our population is experiencing poverty. 
Um, how has your community been affected by the pandemic, your staff and, you know, your personal work as an ED? What has that all been like? Um, so there's only one word that I can really use and that word would be crazy. Yeah, um, that's totally fine. <laughs> that's totally fine. That's what we're here for is the honesty. So tell us, you know, the good, the bad and the crazy. So, you know, it, it, the pandemic hit and all of a sudden there were funds and these funds needed to get out because people were going to be evicted. Mm -hmm. um, Richmond, as you and your listeners probably already know, um, has one of the highest eviction rates in the country. Uh, the New York Times several years ago um, told their readers that we were the number two city in the country for eviction. Some people will say that those stats are not accurate. Um, and I have to agree with them as well that they're not. But one stat that you can't disagree with is that one in nine renters um, in the Richmond City area will face an eviction notice within a year. And this was pre-COVID. Um, so, you know, you can't, you can't disregard a stat like that. Mm -hmm. So Richmond has always had an eviction issue. This was way before COVID. Um, again, poverty, lack of affordable housing, um, lack mm -hmm. of education, you know, the, the list is, is onward, you know, lack of, of, of public transportation um, to get from your home to your work. Um, whatever that cause might be um, causes this this problem for evictions. And so it, it definitely existed before the pandemic, but then once the pandemic hit, I think what we really saw, which was the really scary part, was we were seeing so many people on so different levels coming to us seeking assistance mm -hmm. you know it was the the um the servers in the hospitality industry where hotels had literally shut their doors restaurants and bars were no longer open and it used to be that if you were working in the hospitality industry if you lost your job for whatever reason you could go right next door and find another job mm -hmm. within mm -hmm. a day yeah. And all of a sudden, those jobs were just all wiped out in one fell swoop. So all of a sudden, you have all of the problems from before the pandemic uh, toppled with all of the problems of the pandemic. No child care. Mm -hmm. You know, moms and dads having to quit their jobs to stay home for, you know, to take care of their children. Um, you know, it was just one thing after another that our staff was seeing. Mm -hmm. My staff has been amazing. They are troopers. They are on the phone constantly, eight hours a day, talking to people. They're listening to their stories. They're helping them not only, Kelly, with, with uh, financial resources, but helping them find other resources. Mm -hmm. You know, um, where's a food pantry that's close to my house? And we can tell them that. We've got a list you know, of food pantries that we can tell them while we're on the phone with them. Mm -hmm. We can tell them where to go for health care. We can tell them, you know, places, you know, that, that for health, you know, for whatever problem they may be having. And so that's, that's the key to our mission is that we are offering not only financial, but other resources that are necessary in order for Richmonders to live 
um, as you said earlier, a dignified life, which is also our mission. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned the other resources because overcoming any sort of poverty or an experience close to homelessness, like paying the rent is the bare minimum. And so um, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that Axe has such a holistic approach to the resources you provide, whether that's helping find um, food sources or employment sources. That's, that's, you know, it takes a village is, you know, the, as the saying goes, and, and it sounds like Axe is truly a village for the housing insecure in Richmond. Yeah, I was I was actually walking um, the other day in my neighborhood, and I saw a sign that said, "If I can't breathe, no one can breathe." And I thought about what that sign said, and I thought, "And if one is not housed, all of us are not housed. Mm. If one of us is not fed, none of us are fed." Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I was actually going to meet with a minister and I was telling him my reflections on the sign and he said it's almost, it would almost be a great sign to just say, if one can't blank, then all of us can't blank. Um, And I, I thought that was really important. So, you know, yes, I mean, housing stability is the number one thing that we all have to have and then we have to have food and we have to you know we have to have all of these things in order to survive and it does take a village we all have to be out there helping and making sure that all of our neighbors are taken care of at this especially during this crisis Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well i'm glad that axe has been able to show up in a big way uh for our community in this pandemic so, yeah, we were we were very glad to be given the opportunity. It was um, it, it it was quite mind boggling at first when you're um, you know when you like I said when you go from a one million dollar organization to basically a sixteen to twenty million dollar organization mm-hmm. overnight, and your phone, you know that you've gotten like fourteen hundred phone calls in the previous year, and all of a sudden you're getting seven hundred phone calls a day. <sighs> Um, it, it's quite dramatic. Wow. That's what you guys were averaging, 700 phone calls a day? Yeah. Is that like collectively? Yes. Oh, my goodness. So, um, and, and a lot of repeat calls, even though we ask folks to please only call once. Sure. Um, you know, people are in crisis and they're concerned. Yeah. Um, and their phone call isn't being returned as quickly as, as they need it to be returned. Uh, because it's just impossible to take care of that load. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were getting to them as fast as we can. So in an eight-hour day, you're averaging 100 phone calls an hour, just about. Yeah. Oh, yes. my. Wow. Wow. Well, you guys continue to amaze me with the work that you do and the patience that um, those phone answerers have. <laughs> All right. Well, um One thing I'm thinking about as we've talked is you've been in this work, you've been in this role in particular for 10 years now, but it sounds like you've been in the work of nonprofit for some time. And um, has any of this, the work that you've done with ACTS or with other organizations, you know, what about this work has surprised you the most working with this community? Um, It's always been wonderful. I mean, Richmond is is a very giving Mm-hmm. Um, city, it's it's very 
philanthropically, it is it is just a wonderful city that wants to work um, to help all of those um, around us live. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that during COVID, I have never experienced um, philanthropy at its best. Mm. It, it has been amazing. Um, foundations were emailing me and calling me immediately wanting to know how they could help asking if acts doors were open and yes they were open they never closed um i say that figuratively because they did close Mm -hmm. and we started only taking phone calls instead of seeing people in a person in person to do their assessments um but we did not we did not miss a beat we Mm -hmm. we stayed open to help at, but you know our foundations really wanted to make sure that we were in place to be able to help people because they saw they saw the tsunami coming mm, and yeah. they wanted to make sure that our organization was sound mm. um so that was just such a wonderful feeling to know that that they had our backs and you know i had several people from several different foundations not only call me to ask about acts, but to ask about me personally mm. and to make sure that I was doing okay. Mm. Um, and, you know, that was, that was very well received mm. um, in a time where it was, it was difficult to be okay yeah. Um, yeah. because of all of the changes. And um, so it was, it, it, it's been incredible, but it, it, but it's always been incredible. So, you know, it, it it's it wasn't surprising. It was just it was just very very wonderful to see them all come to the forefront and want to do as much as they could mm-hmm. um, to help with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about you know as you were sharing that that saying that ministry can often be lonely, and I consider what you're doing a ministry for sure. <laughs> that the work of caring for others, caring for other souls is often lonely because you're taking care of everybody else. So it's really nice to hear that the community was reaching out to you as well in particular and, and saying, how are you doing? And that's all it takes is just one person to make make that kind of a difference in, in another person's day. And, I, and I've really tried to pass that on to my staff. We... Mm-hmm. Um, have done several staff lunches. Unfortunately, we can't really be together, so we get box lunches brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, my board members have done that several times mm-hmm. where they'll just go get box lunches. Everybody comes out of their office, grabs a box, goes back and shuts their door mm-hmm. um, and eats their lunch. But, you know, it's just nice to know, like you said, that it is someone out there that's thinking about you as well because mm-hmm. we are caring for people you know, eight to 10 hours a day. And, you know, where is that self-care for us? Exactly. Um, so, and, and, you know, and the other thing I wanted to mention, Kelly, kind of back to um, what we were talking about was, you know, it's not only foundations and congregations that have really come together um, helping acts during this time, but also a lot of incredible individuals have mm. come out of the woodwork Um, And they want to help. We have had several individuals, um, you know, when when stimulus checks come out, you can see 
who is giving X their stimulus checks, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I've had several of them write notes. I don't need this money, but I'm sure you know someone that does. Um, that's and amazing. So that's just really, really touching. Um, mm-hmm. And whenever I open those envelopes or open the PayPal and see that memo, it's um, it's just really nice to see that individuals out there are really wanting to help others um, mm-hmm. around them. That's great. Well, um, we're almost out of time, but I have a couple of more questions. Um, you know, how can our listeners, how can our city get involved, especially in the era of COVID-19? What do your volunteer opportunities look like these days and how can we support you? Well, volunteer operations have, have really um, gone down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we do have a couple of folks who come in and help us with filing because as you can imagine, you know, helping uh, financially assisting 340 households last year to helping close to 6,000 households this past year. Wow. There are a lot of files that need to be put away. I'm sure. Uh, we've, had a, <laughs> we've had a couple of people come in that have worked on filing uh, for us, and that's just been fantastic. Um, you know, our event got canceled, well, postponed twice this past year. So that's usually our big volunteer time Mm -hmm. we also ask um you know of people that would like to to do a care bag um collection for acts but unfortunately now that we're not seeing people in person we don't really have that opportunity to to give out those care bags Um, and right before COVID hit we had gotten a huge collection in which has which has served very well because there have been some people you know, Kelly, I, I always tell people, um, especially when I'm doing an in-person uh, presentation, I'll, I'll hold up a roll of toilet paper during my presentation and I'll say, you know, what would you say if I gave you a roll of toilet paper? Well, the reaction we get when we hand out a roll of toilet paper are tears coming down people's faces. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's those little things in life we give you know, we would give out toilet paper, we'd give out hygiene products, cleaning mm-hmm. products, um, you know, all of those things, paper products, all of those things that are very expensive to buy. And when you can't pay your rent, you certainly can't buy those things. Mm-hmm. So we have had some people that have, have made a trip to the office um, by appointment only and come by and are able to pick up those supplies when, um, when we're talking to them about their rental assistance. Great, great. So there's an opportunity to spend some time doing the riveting work of filing, as well as just dropping off any essential items that your clients might need. But also, I'm sure that you are never turning away financial donations, correct? Financial donations are always welcome, Yes, yes. Pre and during COVID, and absolutely post-COVID, because... You know, when these federal um, and state and local dollars dry up, Mm -hmm. this problem is still going to exist. As Mm -hmm. I said, we had an eviction problem pre-COVID. It is not going away overnight. So, yes, uh, we definitely need your financial contributions, Um, you know, and we really need um, the prayers of our community to help not only those who we are assisting, but again, for my staff who is undertaking this um, major, major role in our, in our town right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, know that, you know, as one of our beloved partners here at Second, you and your staff and those that you serve are always in our prayers, and we are thinking of you and just so grateful for the work that you all have provided for this area. It's it's uh, really brings new meaning to that term essential. You know, this is essential, both, like you said, pre-COVID, during COVID, and post-COVID. Yeah, we've, we've certainly always been very grateful for the support that Second um, has had for AXA, just for your listeners' mm-hmm. um, benefit, if, in case they don't know, Second was one of the five founding congregations mm-hmm. of AXA. So, um, you know, y'all have been there since 2003, actually, because that's when it was first thought of. Yeah. So. Great. Well, is there anything else you would like our listeners to know before we wrap up? I, I think, you know, like I said, just um, we're there. We're doing the best we can out in the community mm-hmm. to help with this problem. And we are, you know, excited to have this opportunity to be of help. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's been, you know, kind of a shame that the pandemic had to bring eviction prevention um, to the light of a lot of people. But I think that if we have a benefit of COVID, that maybe that's one of the benefits we will see is mm-hmm. that people do understand what becoming homeless will do, not only for the individual, but what it will do for our community as a whole. Yes, I think that's well said. And, um, you know, we, uh, like your doors are open. Our doors are open. If you all need anything, we are glad to partner with you. And again, thank you for coming on here and sharing your story. And I hope that our listeners have learned a little bit more that they didn't previously know about this uh, essential and wonderful. Those are both you know, adjectives that we've tossed around this conversation, this wonderful organization. So thank you so much for your time, Billy. I really, really appreciate it. Kelly, thanks so much for your time today and for your listeners um, who are out there um, actively listening to your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, you have a great day. We'll talk soon. You will. You Bye. Well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Second Serving. This podcast is produced by Bo Jacob and myself. We hope that you will join us next time. But until then, keep listening, keep growing, and never stop learning. Peace, friends.